Welcome to episode three of the Sourcing Challenge Show. In this weekly show, I'll be having conversations with sourcers from around the world to find out about their journey into sourcing, what exciting projects they're working on, and what kind of tools they use. My name is Mark Longwin. In this week's episode, I sat down with my friend Ika Yuse from Solutions Driven in Scotland and talked about his start in sourcing and sourcing in different countries. First question for me is, how did you get started in sourcing? How did you get started in the industry? It's a bit difficult to say. I, I think like officially in sourcing, it will be very, very recently, uh, like only in 2015, when I joined the Sourcing Center of Excellence in mm-hmm. uh, RPO um, in, in Edinburgh, in Scotland. Before I was doing sourcing, but I, I didn't know that it was like that, you know, and, and it's not until I'm hired as a as a sourcer and i'm in this kind of a department that is like all around sourcing uh, like uh, that i i am aware of this fact no? um but for myself i will say that uh, at least from 2012 when i started like uh, doing like some type of recruitment roles and and in a sense even before that in like in some more early career jobs and, and volunteer experiences were part of the things that I was doing were, were related to to find people uh, for the organization and things like that. No? So I yeah. think it comes, it comes a long way. And once you started to understand that it was a separate thing to do sourcing, how did you kind of pick up the, the things that you do now and the, the kind of tools and tricks and just the way you work? So, again, I think that my, my more, let's say, my technical experience and professional sourcing experience comes from that period uh, around 2015, where I was working with uh, some people like uh, Danny, Danny Hudson, for example, uh, from, from Hudson, uh, that is now doing Foresight, and um, other uh, managers that I had at the time that were showing me uh, some tricks, like to how to find uh, emails, how to use uh, Chrome extensions. Um, and I think that's the, in that experience is when I started like to be more focused in, in what I call sourcing. You know? And especially uh, starting to attend two events, uh, like uh, for example, all the two events here in, in Scotland, I, I had the opportunity of going to the true Edinburgh, the first true Edinburgh in 2016 where I met actually with many of the people that I've been starting following after or, or meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like uh, Hang Lee, for example, uh, Bill Burman was there. I remember that we had a really nice discussion about like sourcing in close communities and, and everything. So and I think for me it was like a path of getting uh, as long as my career and my experience as a, in, in recruitment and specifically in sourcing was uh, happening. Um, and I was getting more and more involved. I was speaking more with people. I was understanding more uh, what is all about sourcing, and I was reading more uh, articles and blogs in uh, SourceCon, Recruiting Daily, in the Facebook and LinkedIn groups. Because I think that uh, in, in 2015, 2016, uh, the LinkedIn groups were still more active nowadays. <laughs> that is uh, everything uh, swifted to to Facebook. So I think that's. Uh, that pushed me outside to, to not only understand better sourcing, but to, to be more aware and, and to be more involved in the community. What's the kind of things that you read now and, and how do you stay up to date with what's, what's going on? Good question. So 
I try to, there's so many, much, there's much, much information all in every place. So I try to follow some Facebook groups that I think that are uh, very relevant, especially those that are smaller groups where you can share or exchange some messages. Mm -hmm. SourceCon, for example, of course, is a, one of the um, websites that I'm following on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, but also others like uh, Recruiting Daily um, and, and many different newsletters. So I try also to be uh, tuned to some podcasts, but again, I think it's a matter of organizing the time. Uh, so I try to to hear to the podcast when I'm doing something else, uh, like yeah. uh, when I'm cleaning the house or when I'm in the gym or something like that. I, I try to find some time and I, I often am hitting like, for example, Air Source One, I think is one, one of the best. Mm -hmm. Um, and also uh, the challenges podcast. I think I, I really like it. It's not specifically about sourcing, but more about like the any many different things in recruiting. Yeah, that's good. You've done well in the the kind of hackathons and and sourcing challenges lately. What's what's your secret? How do you uh, like you won the air source one? That's when you came on my radar, and yes. then uh, you won the one at uh, Source in Amsterdam. So. Yeah, what do you do differently in, in what you do that, that makes you uh, come ahead in those challenges? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what to say. I think that <laughs> maybe my, my recent role in, in the recruitment agency where I've been working this past year has been less focused sometimes in delivery, mm -hmm. in delivery, like delivering candidates to, to field roles and to, to hiring managers and more about learning about the different places where you can source uh, using different tools and and I think that maybe that had a that had an effect in helping me to to be more up to date than I, I was maybe before because as you know it's uh, difficult when you have like some targets and you have like the obligation to to properly uh, help to fill jobs and to find candidates for the open requisitions uh, I, even if you have additional time by yourself to, to learn about uh, the different things, it's, it's not the same, no? So I think that maybe maybe has helped for sure. And I think one one of the advantages maybe uh, that is for, for some time, I also thought it was maybe a bit of a, a problem, but I think in this case it's an advantage, is that uh, I, I had the opportunity of working in different type of industries and um, recruiting for different levels of roles. So that gave me not only a confidence, but more also an understanding of a, of a bigger piece of the candidate ecosystem so that the people can be in many different places and that some candidates they are going to find, for example, on, on LinkedIn, um, you are going to find others that are maybe are only on Facebook and and using the combination and ad adapting like the different sources that you can have access to the type of role that you're recruiting, no? I think that's the, more than anything, I think that's a, a, a kind of framework that, that I had, no? Yeah. Okay. And you, like you've, I don't know if you worked as a recruiter in France, but you've definitely worked as a recruiter in Spain, now both in yeah, Scotland and kind of doing roles all over the place. Um, you wrote a recent article on, on SourceCon uh, about 
yeah, about recruiting and, and sourcing with different languages. Like, tell me some of the kind of things that are different with like recruiting in Spain or recruiting in France or kind of what you've seen from having moved in, in between the different countries. So, yeah, actually my, my first more likely uh, recruitment job, like what I was doing recruiting and getting paid for that in 2012 uh, was, was in France for a Spanish company, actually. And it was like, a, it was completely outside LinkedIn because uh, it was profiles that were more related to crane, mobile crane operators and truck drivers and, and things like that, no? and uh, concrete pumps, uh, well, things that were, of course, they were not on LinkedIn. So, and then I was doing like some kind of sourcing, for example, at that time, and I didn't know at all, because uh, I was trying to find like some specific uh, groups of people that were discussing things about that and associations or uh, and everything. So I think in different countries, you are always going to have a different channels that are more local, no? Uh, in France, you have Viadeo, in Germany, and you have Sing, uh, Poland, you have Golden Line, and, and everything, no? And it's not only about that, but it's also knowing about how to communicate with the, with the different people. What is the kind of uh, approach that you're going to use? Maybe the same approach that you are using for a UK candidate is not going to work uh, with a German candidate because they expect a different type or a style of communication, no? Mm -hmm. And that gives you an edge that sometimes, uh, unfortunately, in my, my more uh, early experience, I've been learning like from trial and error, no? And when you, <laughs> when you send a message, maybe uh, when you are just starting and, and you send a message to a German candidate and you are not maybe as, as formal and, and detailed as you are, um, as he will expect, no, uh, that's, that's a problem because then you realize that it's, it's not going to work like that, no? So there is many, many cultural differences, no? And, and in this article that, uh, that you mentioned that was posted, um, I think that we know that because maybe a lot of people that are living in Europe and sourcing in Europe, they, they might say, well, this is, of course, this is like that, no? Because we have different languages and we are speaking different languages. And, and still you can find a lot of people that is uh, using their profiles and updating their information in English. But sometimes I think that we need to, we need to remember all the particular differences no, in the countries and the cultures. And that is tricky for us, but it's, it's also challenging and uh, full of diversity, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I liked it. And it's like, you could, you could see it resonated with people, even if they didn't necessarily think about that, that there's like, in terms of a size, we're, we're comparable to North America, mm -hmm. but the way we recruit is very different because it is, it's a language issue sometimes. Uh, it's a cultural issue a lot of the times. It's just looking at different channels and, and some things will work in one country, but absolutely not in another one. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think especially for the American sources that if they haven't worked with having to recruit in Europe, you know, you might not have thought about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you get a role that you have to look in Europe, you, you, you're going to do what you always do. And that might not work if it's, um, if it's outside of the UK, it might work in the UK because like that's at least the same language. Um, but once you get into continental Europe, you can, you can really, yeah, try a lot where you're not getting any response. And I think nowadays, uh, many, many companies, uh, many recruitment agencies and even uh, in-house teams, they have to recruit like around the globe, like for their own teams. 
um, as we have this globalization, I think it's going to get even more and more uh, that people are not going to depend so much in, in local agencies, but in the agencies, that, for example, they trust and mm -hmm. they know, regardless if they have like uh, some specific experience in that uh, particular location. So um, it might happen to anyone. So we need to be aware of these yeah. different so with your role now with um with, with solution driven what's what's your kind of typical week look like what what kind of roles are you working on and and you said a lot of it is kind of also geared towards the resource of of where to look for people in terms of channels there is a strong variety uh, again it's a it's an international agency that is recruiting um around the globe in many different locations mainly um, in europe us and some asia too so, and every role is uh, different. Um, and my role, actually what I do with the team is more about like helping them and guiding them, um, especially in the beginning of the process uh, to establish what is like the sourcing strategy and, and choosing which channels for uh, that specific role they're going to use, uh, what is going to be the approach, and uh, sometimes to revisit if there's any issue during, during the process, no? Um, and part of my work uh, has been also very well out of time, like uh, dealing with vendors and uh, trying to find new tools that the team can use internally and, and and to improve like in a variety, not only for sourcing. That I've been I've been recently trying like many kind of uh, artificial intelligence and uh, related uh, tools, uh, but also like uh, it can be for video interviewing or for um source screening at the beginning like phone screen these kind of things um so it changes a lot it changes a lot from one week to another there is never a, a similar week because um you can have one week where the team is uh, doing very well uh, uh, and the roles are well uh, no problems and some others where there is like a very difficult role like a, a very senior position in a, a niche industry in a remote location in Germany between Austria and, and Switzerland where nobody wants to relocate. <laughs> and then you have to find other things to do, no? but I think that the team, uh, the majority of the times are uh, always able to find a solution quickly. And, and my, my role has been more like uh, guidance and support. In terms of tools, like, is there any kind of tool that you use that uh, that you know maybe is not a is not normal or that you really like using? Is there any kind of tips on that on that people might not have thought of? I will say, recently I I, I had this uh, good conversation uh, with some people about this uh, Google customized search engines uh, mm -hmm. using uh, structured data, and it's something that I, I I've known not for a long time actually. And I, I think that's very useful, especially for in Europe when you are using places like Viade or Sync and you don't have a premium account, you are explaining the websites and it's so difficult to, to find and to filter through job title or a specific location. Um, using this kind of structured data operators, you are able to, to do a better job and clean up. So I think that's a, that's a good one. For example, mm -hmm. I would say. In terms of what you're working on, either with Solution Driven or in your whatever you have a spare time, what's something that exciting that you're working on at the moment? What's uh, that that you're really excited to work on? 
So by myself personally, I'm trying to to upskill my my technical level, my uh, my understanding of uh, um, IT, and uh, I'm trying to learn more about uh, programming and the usage of websites. And I think there is a still a long way to, for me to go uh, to to really understand like how to use like this kind of a. Uh, for example, what Aaron Lins is uh, speaking about always about like the conferences and things like that, you no, know, and and how to use these tools and um, and anything that is related to coding, coding your own uh, tools. Uh, I think that's something that is uh, is very interesting for me. But I'm I'm not there yet, so I need to <laughs> learn more. And I think now nowadays the other topic that is very very hot and is very important too at the same time. And I still have a lot to learn from is the growth hacking, and I think that uh, we have people like uh, like Trish Revion and Jan Text that uh, recently created this fantastic group on, on Facebook, no? Yeah. Um, online discussions too. So that's that's my two pending uh, or my work in progress, I would say, <laughs> in disciplines, no? Like small small parcels of knowledge that I I need to work on more. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, we all have kind of things and like I do the same. If there's something that I don't understand and it's like, what can I do to become better at that and learn something at the same time? So no, I completely agree with that. That's the kind of approach. Yeah, no, there's something also uh, because I, I remember actually in one of the places where where we met, like in, in, in Amsterdam, um, I th you did a presentation that I, I remember was really good because um, you introduce it also the concept of using like uh, video messages. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is something that I've been trying to use much more, but uh, I haven't I haven't succeeded to use it as much as I want. <laughs> so it's also in my I think it's a good uh, a really good strategy uh, for the for some candidates especially that are more unresponsive and. Mm -hmm. But I need, I need to put it in practice. So that's how I want it. No, I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm working on as well, finding out and A-B testing and trying, like, how, how can I do it without spending too much time on it? I want it to be something that doesn't take longer than what it would take you to, uh, to customize a, an email, to make something that is personal, or like the time you would use to research. It's, that would be the same time. But if you can do something that you shoot a one-minute video, uh, mm -hmm. You shouldn't take much more longer than that. And I mean, that's approximately the time that even on the low end that you would use to just buy the customized email. Um, so that's the kind of place I want to get down to. Uh, whereas there's a lot of customization, but at the same time that it's, you have a kind of template way of doing it and then have the tools that makes it easy. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's a lot of kind of trial and error and find out which tools work best with other things. I think it's important like that uh, to find the time and to and to put some structure no, in, in the trial and error process, as you say, like not not just getting like excited and motivated by using many different tools because there's like so many things that you can do, but more about saying, okay, so this is my time to to put this uh, to test it properly, mm -hmm. and then and learn from that, no, and then because yeah. at the end of the day you still have a a job to do with other things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake you've made, um, either recently or, or in general in your career that you remember? I would say that maybe I'm guilty of sending an email template message to more than 100 persons <laughs> at the same time. I, I did that, the same message, actually. 
Well, it, it had a it, it had a context and uh, an explanation. I, let's say that was like early days of my career, and, <laughs> and of course, I learned that the outcome of that was uh, losing time and damaging, completely damaging my my brand and my reputation. So, don't try to do that. I'm going to be interviewing a lot of different sourcers from around the world. What's the kind of thing that you would like to know from from other sources? I think. One one of the questions that is important for me is like where where they see sourcing going and um, what kind of skills they think that are going to be important in the for them to learn you know in the in the next years. Um, you know we have always there's always this discussion every year people saying that sourcing and recruitment overall is going to be dead and everything is going to be automatized and I mean of course technology has a I think is, is important and it has a it will have it has a paper already no into all this no so I, I'm interested in seeing how the people that is currently doing the work think that they need to upskill their game and yeah. and be prepared for what is coming next so that's what is your stance on that where do you kind of think we're going as sourcing and well, like, what, what, what's your fears and, and what's your hopes for it? Yes, I think that kind of I, I explain more or less what I what I see. You no, know? I mean from my personal view, and this is my personal view, sourcing as a profession is going to become more and more technical, mm -hmm. uh, regardless if you are recruiting for IT roles. Uh, at the end, we work mainly with um, with information systems that are uh, well digital so we're going to need to understand into more depth how uh, these environments are um, operating and what are the things that we can do unless we want to stay in the surface no yeah uh, because we see that communities are getting closer every day so people sometimes is moving more to close groups to um, to applications where they are maybe only with some people that they know or that they want to be and i think that's, that's going to make also the difference no um understanding how to how to get there and and particularly not only how to get there but how to how to engage also with these people no? so it's a mix of social skills of course and and updating the technological technological technical knowledge that's yeah. what i think if people want to follow you, uh, what's the best way for them to uh, to do that? And uh, how can they kind of see what uh, what you continue thinking over the next uh, years? Twitter should be fine. I hope Facebook too. I'm <laughs> I'm almost in well Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the the classic. Um, I'm I'm connected there, uh, and I will try to to post and and to be more active, uh, like communicating in other channels too. And we'll see more articles on SourceCon, I'm hoping, as well. Yes, definitely. That's a good one. That's a good one. It's also good for me to, to push me to write in English and, and yeah. do this stuff. And, and that's the idea. Thank you very much, Iker, for your, for your time. And um, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to meeting you soon again, either at a conference or somewhere else. Well, of course. Of course. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Thank you all for watching. I'll be back next week with a new sourcing conversation this time from Kentucky, the United States, where I'll be sitting down with Susanna conway Fraser from Universal Music Group. Make sure you subscribe to this show, either here or for the audio version on either iTunes or Spotify.